Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis by mailing a donation to our P.O. Box. Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913-15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. And I want to thank Bailey uh, for supporting the show in that way. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. So let's go ahead and talk about Casey Crom Photographer, the television program. The series was broadcast in 1951 and 1952 by CBS. According to bluenotebulletin.blogspot.com, both Jan Minor and John Gibson made the leap to television. Richard Carlyle played the role of Casey, though he gave way to Darren McGavin. McGavin would, uh, later on in the 1950s, end up playing Mike Hammer on television and have a really long and rich acting career. Gibson would also be replaced on television as Ethelbert. According to IMDb, the series uh, was produced by Charles Russell, a.k.a. the first Johnny Dollar. Reviews of the series were not generally favorable, uh, nor uh, even was Darren McGavin's uh, mention of the series in his own autobiography. Whether this series would be something that modern viewers might appreciate, you know, as like a quirky treasure and something that uh, they are, we might be less hard on its flaws, or it might be a case where Dare McGavin was harder on his own early work as an actor than he uh, you know, objectively perhaps should have been, we'll never know because there are no episodes of that series in existence. Which was the case with a lot of early television that was done live uh, with kinescopes. During its run, the series was sponsored by uh, two different sponsors that alternated weeks. One was Longines Watch, and the other was uh, a pro- company that would be familiar to listeners, Tony Home Permanent. Regardless, the series left the air in 1952. And then something happened with Casey that really did not happen to any other series, because most other series that made the leap from radio to television and discontinued the radio version uh, never returned to radio. Every other series Of course, there were uh, programs that maintained dual radio and television uh, broadcast and had radio broadcasts continue after the TV series ended. A big example of that was Armis Brooks. Casey returned to radio. A press release put out the end of 1953. They were getting the uh, band back together, so to speak. So Casey returned to radio, and this is the first episode of early in 1954. The original air date, January 13th, 1954, and the title 
is Road Angel, and let's listen to Casey Crime Photographer's Return. First on the scene, Crime Photographer. Got it. Look for it in the Morning Express. CBS Radio brings back Crime Photographer, another adventure of Casey, ace cameraman of the Morning Express, who covers the crime news of a great city. With the original cast, author, and director, Crime Photographer, played by Stotts Cotsworth and written by Alonzo Dean Cole, tonight presents Road Angel. Morning. An infrequently traveled side road at the far northern limits of our wide, sprawling city. Police cars are there, and a grim-looking enclosed truck which bears the legend, City Mortuary. Another car appears, draws to a halt, and discharges Casey and Ann Williams. Uh, Captain Logan and the tech men are back among those trees, Casey. Yeah, I see them, Annie. Hi, Logan. Hello. Morning, Miss Williams. Oh, hi, Captain Logan. Hi, Charlie, Pete, Frank. Hi, Casey. Well, who's been killing who today? That I don't know yet. This guy was bumped off sometime last night. Oh. Mm-hmm. He was a big man. Yeah. Looks like whoever shot him collected a little trouble himself, Miss Williams. Look at the skin knuckles on his right hand. A big boy here must have taken a healthy poke at somebody and connected, huh? Uh-huh. Two bullet holes in his head. Size 38 caliber, I'd say. 38 is right, Casey. You already found one of the slugs. The other's still inside his skull. Yeah, okay for pictures, Logan? Hmm? Yeah, go ahead. My tech guys have got their stuff. Thank you, pal. Any um, identification on the body, Captain? Plenty, Miss Williams. His name was Edward Pierce, and he was a farm machinery salesman in Ardmore, about 200 miles upstate. A killer took all his dough and his car, but didn't bother with his jewelry or personal papers, including car registration and driver's license. A robbery motive, then, hmm? Looks like. Hitchhiker job, Logan? That's my guess. Whoever he picked up must have pulled a gun and forced him out of his car here. Pierce took a poke at him and bang, bang. A kid cutting through this patch of woods on his way to school this morning discovered the body. Hmm. Too bad this job wasn't done a little to the north of here, Logan, outside the city limits, huh? Yeah, less than half a mile and cops in the next county would have had the headache. Mm-hmm. Why does everything happen to me? <laughs> Blue Note Cafe, Ethelbert, the bartender speaking. You want Doyle and Kirschbaum's dry goods store? I'm sorry, lady, but this is one of the wrongest numbers you could get. Dry goods store. Hi, Ethelbert. Hello. Oh, hello, Casey. Hi, Ethelbert. You got any coffee in the kitchen, huh? Sure, Casey. Walter, bring out a cup of coffee and, and bring out some more olives. You just coming to work, Casey? No, I've been out on assignment already this morning, and way out, too. Anything interesting? Uh, hitchhiker robbery and murder, apparently. Gee, where's Miss Williams? She's across the street in the city room, banging out her story. Uh, here you are, Casey. Thanks, Walter. Uh, tell me about this hitchhiker murder. Was it very gory? <laughs> no, no, pal, just run-of-the-mill. 
As it stands now, it'll rate no more than a few sticks on page four and maybe one of the pictures I shot in two-column square. Oh, that's too bad. Morning, Ethelbert. Here's Miss Williams. Oh, Annie, didn't take you long to finish your job. Well, I didn't know how little it was to write. But now we got to do some follow-up stuff. Burke wants us to stick around homicide and get any inside dope that comes in. Okay, Burke's the editor, so Burke's the boss. But you ought to know by this time that any on-the-record inside dope we get from Logan is also what every other paper gets. Well, Burke says to feed the captain truth serum. Oh, uh, well, let's go. Yeah, I'll see you later, Ethelbert. So long, pal. Goodbye. Hmm. I've heard of truth serum. Now, I wonder... As I've just informed several of your competitors, Miss Williams, the state police found Pierce's car, undamaged and containing some very interesting exhibits. Well, how nice for our competitors, Captain. What are the exhibits? A fully loaded 9mm Italian Beretta pistol was wedged out of sight between the cushions of the front seat. And some beautiful fingerprints on the car door of a hoodlum named Carl Flagler, who was paroled about a month ago. Oh, well, it looks like you're pretty close to your killer then, huh? Seems so. There's an eight-state alarm out for Flagler. Yeah, it'll be a relief to have an easy one for a change. Ah, excuse me. Go ahead. Homicide, Captain Logan speaking. Uh, put him on. State police again, Casey. Yeah. Hello, Colonel. You have? Oh, that's just swell. Say, that really does it. And what did the punk say? <laughs> sure, sure, they're all innocent. Oh, you bet I'll come up. And see you this afternoon, Colonel, and thanks a million. They've got Flagler at headquarters barracks in Clinton County. And when he was picked up, he had cartridges for that 9 millimeter Beretta pistol in his pockets. Well, looks like everything's over but the uh, execution. Hmm. Um, you know, it's a nice day for a drive up to Clinton County, Annie. We'd be getting away from some humdrum work. Maybe the boss... Oh, be... I'll, uh, I'll call Burke right away and ask him. Yeah, tell him we can go in Logan's car and save the paper gas mileage. Uh, you chiseler. <laughs> um, hey, Logan, you know, uh, tying Flagler up with a nine-millimeter foreign pistol kind of unties him from the thirty-eight revolver slugs that went into Pierce's head. Huh? I've been trying not to think of that. What are you trying to do, spoil a beautiful day? <laughs> Listen, Flagler, be good to yourself and come clean. You finally admitted to the state police that Pierce gave you a lift in his car? Sure I did. What else could I do after they told me what they had on me? Now look, Copper, I did thrum a ride from that big lug you called Pierce, and I did have that foreign gat in my pocket... And I did try to pull a stick up on Pierce with it. That's where the big difference comes in between what you think happened and what really happened. That's here, the big difference, Flagler. Oh, I've been trying to tell you. Look, I pulled my rod and told this guy to stop his car and get out. He did like I said, and I got out after him. Then I make a mistake and come too close to him. He grabs my gun and gives me a sock on the jaw that almost laid me out. Well, all I could do was run, and that's what I did. I didn't kill him. He nearly killed me. That bruise in your jaws from the sock he gave you? Yeah. And look at these, look at these loose teeth, huh? They prove I'm telling the truth, don't they? We can prove enough to burn you, Flagler. No jury will doubt that you killed Pierce. But I didn't. He was alive the last time I saw him, and he had my gun. I didn't have nothing to kill him with. You could have had two guns, couldn't you? I didn't. I swear I didn't. I'll I... tell you. I'm through with him for the time being, Colonel. All right, Tim. Take him away, Sergeant. Come on, Casey. Okay. 
What do you think, Colonel? Well, about the same as you do, I imagine, Captain. Maybe yes, maybe no. Casey? Well, if he did shoot him, why didn't he wipe his fingerprints off the car? The dumbest crook knows enough to do that. Who can tell, Casey? Who can tell? Colonel, you sure your tech man didn't find even a trace of any prints on that car excepting those of Flagler and Pierce himself? Only a few smudges that couldn't be developed. Pierce had washed and polished the car himself just before he left his home. Only a few hours ago, Casey, this looked like a beautiful day. Anything new on that hitchhiker murder, Miss Williams? Oh, plenty. Ethelbert, haven't you seen the Morning Express yet? Why... No, uh, a fellow left a morning globe on the bar here, so instead of buying your paper, <laughs> I... You know, just imagine this fellow. He'd rather save a nickel than read fresh news, Annie. <laughs> I gotta be saving, Casey, when a certain friend of mine has owed me $16.50 for two whole weeks. Uh, look, I, I told you, you'll get it out of my paycheck this Saturday, and incidentally... It's 1560, not 1650. Casey, I distinctly remember. Oh, so do I. 1560. I. What's plenty new on that case, Miss Williams? Well, another robbery and murder. Apparently by a hitchhiker on the same highway between here and Ardmore. Yeah? Yeah. Guy's body was found last night. He was shot by the same 38 that killed Pierce. And Carl Flagler was in jail when it happened. That proves... It at least proves that Flagler didn't pull the second job. Yeah. Is this new killing up to Captain Logan? No. It's outside of his jurisdiction. You know what I can't get through my head is how could Pierce have been dumb enough to pick up another hitchhiker after Flagler had tried to stick him up just a little early? Well, maybe he didn't. Maybe he picked up somebody he knew. Well, either that or... Hmm. <laughs> What's the big hum for? Uh... You know, most guys will pick up a woman, Annie, and under any circumstances, especially if she's reasonably young and good-looking. Oh, the voice of experience. Huh? Well, I've never seen you turn your back on a handsome guy unless there was a handsomer one just behind you. That's because the wise female knows that the predatory male must be carefully watched. Sure. Listen, few guys will squawk to the cops when a dame puts something over on them. Often they got good reason to keep their mouths shut. No doubt. Look, Annie, if the boss will give me a go-ahead, plus expenses, I'm going to give this idea a play. How? Well, by burning up some gas along the highway between here and Ardmore, leisurely, on the lookout, and alone, and in search of company. I don't think I like your idea. Neither do I. Supposing you get bumped off like them other fellas before Saturday when your paycheck is due. Huh. Well, you can admit the flowers, pal. You know, ordinarily, you'd spend at least fifteen sixty on my funeral. Sixteen fifty. Fifteen sixty. I'm on my way to Proposition Burke right now. I'm going to see you later, Ethelbert. Sixteen fifty. Fifteen sixty. But if he gets, say, he can't do that to me. <laughs> We'll return to Crime Photographer in just a moment. Kathy and Elliot Lewis, on stage, formerly heard at this time on CBS Radio, have left on a brief vacation. 
They'll be back at an early date at a somewhat later Wednesday night hour over most of these same stations. If you've enjoyed the original dramatizations and fine performances of this outstanding Hollywood acting family, be listening for the early return of Kathy and Elliot Lewis on stage at the Star's Address. And now, back to Casey, crime photographer. Had any news from Sherlock Casey yet, Miss Williams? I haven't been notified that he's caught up with any murderous lady hitchhikers. <laughs> Neither have I, Captain Logan. Last night after the first day, he phoned me from upstate and said two gals had thumb rides with him. One turned out to be a lady librarian, and the other tried to sell him a magazine subscription. <laughs> Casey expected sympathy, and I didn't give it to him. <laughs> the guy's young, Miss Williams, like Jack Benny. Let him live and learn. Uh, seriously, Logan... Do you think he has a, a real idea? Seriously, Anne? I think he has. Fill her up, sir. Yeah, please. The oil and the water's okay. Mm -hmm. Hey, you look tired, mister. Been driving a long way? Mm-hmm. Four days, pal. From uh, way out west or way down south? No, just up and down. Mm. One lady librarian, three discontented wives, and more sales ladies. What say? Huh? Oh, I'm just talking to myself. If you hear me answer myself, call the white coats. Uh, I don't understand you, sir. <laughs> Ignore it, pal. <laughs> okay. Say, did you ever hear of a gal hitchhiker along this highway who puts the big B on guys who pick her up? No. Yeah, that's what they all tell me. You a cop? No. It's a dumb newspaper guy who's getting desperate. Charge the gas you put in. Here's my credit card. Mm -hmm. Casey's the name, huh? That's right. Address morning at... Say, you ain't the fellow who takes all those crime pictures. Well, I'm one of the fellows who takes some of them. Uh, you up here about that killing of Ed Pierce? I was. And now I'm about ready to fold my tent like the Arabs and silently blow. Uh, excuse me, but that line is, and as silently steal away. Oh. <sighs> I like poetry. That's nice. I like Mr. Pierce, too. He's a nice fella. What? You know him? Oh, no, 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 not, not well, just as a customer. Oh. Uh, that uh, Carl Flagler was arrested. Couldn't have killed that second fellow who was a bumped off. No. And I don't believe that Flagler bumped off Pierce either. Neither do I. Mr. Casey, I have heard something about a girl hitchhiker. You have? Yeah. Look, if, if it's anything I can use, you'll get a hundred bucks in the morning express, pal. And your name will be kept dark if you want it that uh, way. No, no, no. I, I, I don't want any money. But I, I do want my name and business kept confidential, though. All right. That's how it'll be. All right. I'm not going to stall or beat around a bush. I didn't just hear about a girl hitchhiker. One was in my car and she took me. Pal, you're the break I've been praying for. Uh, that goes double. I felt like a skunk for not going to cops is what I got to tell you, but I'm a family man, Mr. Casey. I got kids. I live in a small town. And if I told the police about me picking up a girl hitchhiker... Yeah, I know, I know. Go ahead. Well, it's a sense this girl's pulled her stuff and a lot of other fellas besides me, so... I was hoping one of them would speak up. Tell me about the girl. Well, here's the words. 
Just three weeks ago, come Tuesday, I was driving alone to the big town when, stand beside the highway, I saw a young woman. She had one of those little overnight bags in one hand, and she wasn't someone like some do, but I just standing there looking wistful. Oh, yeah. I've fallen for that approach. The wind was blowing, pulling her dress kind of tight against her figure, and uh, she had a swell figure. Uh, you know what I thought to myself? Maybe you better not tell me. Huh? Oh, well, anyway, it sounded crazy, and it was crazy, but I said to myself, Dan Reynolds, that girl with her dress flapping like wings, looks like an angel of the road. Hmm. Road angel, huh? Uh, like I remarked a while back, I, <laughs> I like poetry. Yeah, I see. Yeah, well, I stopped, and the girl got in, and before we'd driven together a dozen miles, she'd given me reason to believe she wasn't any angel. She suggested I turn off into a side road and park. Oh? She made the suggestion with a gun poked against my ribs. Ah, see. It was one of those snub-nosed revolvers. A thirty-eight, I think. A thirty-eight killed Pierce. Yeah, the... yeah, so I read in the papers. If this girl had been a man, I, I might have tried to take it away from him. As it was, I just let her take my money. Pierce and that other fellow she killed must have acted different. The cops found my car the next day... I simply reported stolen while parked. Look, tell me everything you can remember about this gal, Mr. Reynolds, will well, you? I, I'm not too good at remembering faces, d details, that is. Uh, let's see. She, she had sort of um, medium-colored hair, I think, uh, uh, blue eyes, or maybe brown. She wasn't exactly tall or short, neither. Ah, but her figure... Mm-hmm. I look for a road angel. That's her, Mr. Casey, till after she gets inside a man's car. Three hundred more miles up and down. And no road angel. Bah. This job is driving me nuts, I think. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. Uh, <clears throat> can I give you a lift, sister? Oh, thanks. I, I was hoping somebody would stop. Oh, sure. Uh, let me put that little bag of yours in the bag. Oh, it doesn't take up much room. I'll keep it beside me. Oh, Okay. How far are you going? Canesville. A few miles this side of it, really. You going that far? Sure. Farther. Right through. Oh, that's fine. Mm, beginning to think so, too. Uh, <clears throat> my, my name is Casey. You care to give me yours? Why not? I'm Doris Chapman. Doris. Okay. Or do you want to be Miss Chapman? Does your wife permit strangers to call her by her first name? My wife? Uh, mm, you know, uh... Uh, a husband never knows what his wife permits strangers to do when he's not around. That's a very cynical statement. Oh, yeah, I'm a real cynical husband. You uh, married? No. Engaged? Divorced? No. How old are you? I'm 21, Mr. Casey. But aren't those rather personal questions? Uh, hmm. I'm beginning to wonder. About what? Angels. Angels? Uh-huh. Maybe the wrong angel. Well, Mr. Casey, I had to leave college several months ago and take a full-time job. Uh-huh. Luckily, I found a nice one with a lovely family. The job pays well, but supporting my younger brother, I must economize. Oh, sure, sure. Well, that's why I try to save bus fare, as I've done with you. Mm. Oh, 
I, I didn't mean to tell you all this, but you've been nice. Not like a lot of men I've met, so I owed you an explanation. Oh, no, you didn't. Not at all, you do. Gee, I'm mighty glad you felt like giving it to me, though. You're an okay kid. <laughs> How often can a guy be wrong? Men are always wrong. What? This is a gun you feel in your side, Sap. Why, I see it is. It's a 38, snub-nosed. Turn right. You're calling the turns. I always do. Boy, you really fooled me with that act of yours. I've got different acts for different men. You know your men, huh? I've had reason to know them. They're all lousy. Now stop your car. Now get out. Okay. Give me your dough. Here's my wallet. Help yourself. Thanks. Now take a nice long walk. That's what a man told me to do one time when he threw me out of his car. So long, sap. So long, angel. Uh, how could she? Oh, how will I ever explain this? All right, razz me. Go ahead, needle me, Annie. Give me the complete works. I had the girl right there in my car, and then she took me like... Oh, nuts. I'm not even going to ask you how it felt to get out and walk, Casey. Oh, why not? Go right ahead. Only had to walk about five miles before I was able to thumb ride. Yeah, the bad publicity you newspaper people have given hitchhikers must make the racket pretty tough. Oh, Logan. Oh, calm down, Casey. I'm not going to rub it in. No, neither am I. <sighs> well, thanks. You know, I'd have... Taking a chance on getting that 38 away from her if I... I don't know, I just couldn't sock even her sort of a gal. Casey, you remember pretty exactly what she looks like. Oh, I haven't been photographing people all these years without looking at them. I can even tell you the shade of lipstick and nail polish she uses. You didn't have that sort of description to go by. Miss Williams will have it. Huh? Annie? Me? Casey, from what you told us, this road angel is very anti-man, which has given me a kind of a sort of an idea. On and on, up and down. No road angel here, no road angel there. Only road. And, uh, <laughs> well, Casey said he began talking to himself after a few days of this. And I gave him the raspberry. Uh-oh. It's her. It couldn't be anybody else. Uh, you looking for a ride, sister? No, thanks. I'm waiting for somebody. <laughs> a driver wearing pants and a wolfish grin? Not necessarily. Oh, sure you are. I know you. You know me? Hmm, same as one soldier knows another. By the uniform. I used to play the road myself in a tight-fitting dress and cut... Clutching the little overnight bag. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I uh, gave it up a couple years ago for a better racket. The road small time kit. There's too much risk for too little income. Come on, hop in. Let's get acquainted. Okay. Uh, toss uh, your bag in the back on top of my luggage. Swell-looking suitcases you've got back there? Yeah, a lot of them. Filled with swell clothes. I do all right. Uh, close the door. Let's get rolling. My name's, um, Annie Johnson. <laughs> Present, that is. Uh, what'll I call you? Doris will do. Doris Larkin. What college are you out of? College? Yeah. 
I got the graduation papers from uh, the Hatchipole myself. Oh, that's the woman's prison in California. Mm-hmm. Are you a reformatory gal? I was in Elmira for a while. You're a liar. They don't put kids in there. I'm over 21. Save that for guys who are afraid of minor trouble. You're San Quentin Quail, under 18. <laughs> You're really pretty smart. Yeah, with my background, I ought to be. What's your racket now? Oh, same as yours, men. But I make them pay thousands while you collect dimes. I collect more than dimes. Oh, sure, yeah. You rope a sap for as much as a century now and then. But your average is small. And sometimes you hit a guy who hits back. No guy hits back at me and gets away with it. Yeah, I've heard you punks talk big before. I used to do a little bragging myself, as I remember. Does this look like I'm bragging? Oh, you lug around that thirty-eight, And I've used it. Say, I read about you in the papers. A guy named uh, Pierce, maybe, and another named Hodgkiss. Yeah, I killed him. Yeah, and the cops are looking for a male hitchhiker to pin those jobs on. Cops are men, which means they're dumb. I hope they burn some man for those two jobs I did. <laughs> you, uh, you never admit things like that, do you, Doris, except when you're alone with a friend like me? Oh, I don't figure you for a friend, Annie. No? I never had a friend and never expect to have one. My father used to slug me, and even my mother beat me up until I ran away from home. I don't trust anybody. I hate everybody. Now turn into the next side road we come to. You're, uh... You're going to take me, huh? For all you've got. With a prison record like you've got, you're not going to call copper any more than a married man would. Oh, I won't make any squawk, Doris. Because I'm not going to be taken. Oh, let go of my you hair. You give me that gun will or I'll you pull your hair out. out. I will. Oh. I'm not a man, and I don't mind messing you me. up. Here's Angel's gun, Casey, and you can take the rest of her, Captain. Yeah. These, these guys. Surely you remember me, Miss Chapman. And you'll get to know Captain Logan here very well. He's boss of the Homicide Yeah, Bureau. and if you'd been as smart as you thought you were, Doris, you'd have noticed that a car was following us. It's followed me for almost four days, just waiting for you to take a ride and talk. She said what you hoped you'd say, Casey. Good. I didn't say anything. You can't prove I did. But, but I can, my pet. Under all those suitcases is a tape recorder that I started when you got into this car. It's taken down your every sweet word. And I'm pretty sure the bullets that killed Pierce and Hotchkiss will match the rifling of this thirty-eight revolver. And if that isn't enough evidence, here's one guy you may get out and walk who'll talk loud and long in court. You, you dirty rats. You lousy skunks. You, you Come, dirty rats. angel. That Doris's thirty-eight revolver proved to be the one which killed them fellas, huh, Casey? Yeah, Ethelbert, that's right. And that, plus the confession that Miss Williams got, mm -hmm. <coughs> will bring a conviction from even the dumbest jury. Mm. Uh, meaning um, all-male jury. <coughs> and Doris is just a little over 18, so she won't go before a juvenile court. She gets the works. Any girl as bad as her deserves the works, I suppose. Well, the... Uh... The people who made her bad deserve it, Ethelbert, too. Kids like her don't just just happen, you know. No, no, they don't. But no matter what it is that makes mad dogs, they can't be allowed to run loose. Yeah, let's uh, <clears throat> let's talk about something else, huh? I know what. That money you owe me, Casey. Oh, never mind. While you was out of town, I couldn't expect to collect it, but now Well, I haven't forgotten it, pal. Here. There you are. 1650. 1650? Well, that's right, isn't it? Sure, it's right, but fifteen, six, sixteen fifty. Miss Williams, 
Did you feed Casey some of that truth serum you were getting for Captain Logan? You have been listening to Crime Photographer, played by Stotts Cotsworth, and based on the original character created by George Harmon Cox, is written for radio by Alonzo Dean Cole. With Jan Miner as Anne, John Gibson as Ethelbert, Bernard Lenro as Captain Logan, Lou White's original music, and Teddy Wilson as the Blue Note pianist, Crime Photographer is produced and directed by John Dietz. Join us again next Wednesday night at the same time for another fast-moving adventure with Casey, Crime Photographer. For our men in uniform overseas or anywhere away from home, home is mail call. Through the letters you send to those you know, you brighten life and make home close. Write often all the items you know about the place he left behind. Make your friend or relative glad instead of sad when mail call rolls around. Gangbusters go into action Saturday nights on the CBS Radio Network. Welcome back. Obviously, some big changes. Uh, organ music uh, coming into KC. You know, big. You know, big changes. Uh, Blue Note Bulletin points out from the quality of music that we had with uh, Anchor Hawking or even Philip Morris. But that was really true across the board with so many radio programs. The move away from orchestral uh, arrangements to organ arrangements isn't uh, complicated from a fiscal standpoint. One guy on an organ is cheaper. And we've heard that happen with Let George Do It, The Man Called Axe, and so many other programs. It's a way to try to save money. Speaking of saving money, that's kind of what the police department does in this series when they uh, get, you know, conclude that something that Casey and Anne have stated is a sound basis for a hypothesis. Uh, they go ahead and just let them go out and prove it. Now, to be fair, Captain Logan didn't have jurisdiction over the whole area, but, you know, most states have a highway patrol uh, and a state police, so it seems like they should be you know, undergoing this danger rather than Casey and Anne. But still a solid episode. It was a really enjoyable mystery, and I thought a pretty good return for Casey Crime Photographer. One thing that bluenotebulletin.blogspot.com notes is that uh, this episode uh, does credit Bernard Linro. Uh, as a regular part of the cast. And that actually had not happened throughout the series. Bernard Linro, of course, plays uh, Captain Logan. Uh, but the only time he was credited was the episode where Stats Cotsworth was uh, out 
and uh, he went ahead and uh, took the took the lead in solving a case, and you know became the de facto star of the episode. So he uh, got credit in that episode, but not in most others. So. It was of note that that happened in this episode as well. All right, listener comments and feedback now. And we start with a note uh, from Bailey that she sent to the uh, P.O. Box. Uh, This is just to say thank you for the heaps of joy and sanity your show has provided me with over the years. I found your programs after Wisconsin Public Radio pulled their old-time radio show because it wasn't PC enough, and Great Detectives has filled that very important void for me. I listen every day, usually as I put um, my uh, toddler down for naps. It's a nice escape uh, for a tedious task. I appreciate you. Peace, Bailey. Well, thank you so much, Bailey. I I appreciate uh, your support and your note, and I think you're not the only one to have... uh, started listening after uh, Wisconsin Public Radio ceased uh, playing their old-time radio programs. Definitely an unfortunate occurrence. And then uh, we have a comment from Eric uh, in regards to the uh, a person who didn't like Ethelbert. Uh, Eric writes, I love Ethelbert. He's the epitome of the great side characters. Uh, His job and the setting provide a reason to go over the case after the commercial break. He can give help from time to time because he's the kind of guy who could conceivably know anyone in town. He allows the characters to have natural interaction outside the cases, and they can use interaction uh, with him for as much or as little filler as they need instead of finding ways to extend the case to fit the runtime. Uh, That last one is more of a writer thing, but it's very important. Well, thanks so much, and uh, I appreciate your comments, Eric, and those are some good points in Ethelbert's uh, favor. And I think it definitely does give the the series a different flavor, because our heroes aren't, you know, just constantly going, you know, head down, nose to the grindstone to solve the case like other detectives are. And it also can serve as a device to, you know, spread cases out like, you know, hey, that happened two weeks ago. And so you can have a little bit more realistic time scale. I think the only real challenge with Ethelbert is sometimes you could you can could have a case where you really do need more time to develop it, but you've got the obligatory Ethelbert scene, which kind of feeds into the problem of not having enough time to develop it. Though I can't really recall an episode at the moment where that was the case. Still, that kind of falls into more of a, you know, writer's duty to, you know, if you've got this character and that you've got this setting... You need to, you know, make your story work around it if he's going to be in every episode. And then we have another comment from Facebook, this one from David. Claude Rains is one of those actors who, if he's in something, it's almost always worth checking out. Uh, uh, And this is regarding our uh, special, uh, uh, The Hands of Mr. Audemol. I like this quite a bit, even though I figured out the twist very quickly. Thanks so much for the comment, David. And now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to George, Patreon supporter since November 2016, currently supporting the show at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. 
Again, thanks so much for the support, George. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this episode on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. But we will be back next Monday with our final episode of Casey Crime Photographer. We'll be back tomorrow with Mr. Chameleon where... Hello. Hello there, Fitch. Connection was broken. I'll go back to where I was. No, I didn't misunderstand you. I know exactly what I want to do. I know what you mean. Just follow out my orders. That's all you have to do. All right, then. Come out here. All right, Fitch. I'll be waiting for you. Uh, guess that'll fix him. Uh, say. Say, what's that? Hey, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. <laughs> oh, you. You murdered me. Uncle Hiram! Uncle Hiram! Uncle Hiram, is anything wrong? Open the door! I can't get in! What's the matter, Dick? I heard shots coming from Uncle Hiram's study, Tina. Now I can't get in, and he doesn't answer. Well, let's go inside, then, Dick. Well, how? He's evidently locked the door. Oh, here. Here's a chair. Oh. Get up on it, Dick, and look through the transom. Oh, I'd forgotten the transom. Tina! Tina! What? Uncle Hiram is slumped over his desk. He's committed suicide. Suicide? Let me get up there too, Dick. No. It's horrible. His head is almost blown off. You'd get sick. Come down from that chair, Dick. Try to break the door in. We must get in there. If you can't do it, I'll run out and call the gardener. No. Don't call anybody. I'll ring the police. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.